You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. about Marvin Gaye here my dear on the line I have Rob dim the lights and chill the ham again Ben <laughs> hi and Kyle I don't think I'll have any regrets baby <laughs> here my dear is the 15th studio album by musical artist Marvin Gaye released as a double album on December 15th 1978 on Motown subsidiary label Tamala Records. The producer was Marvin Gaye, and the genre is soul and funk. And I'm going to read from the book, Bruno MacDonald. <clears throat> Magical music has been conjured from rotting relationships and pain translated into beauty. But nowhere is it more explicitly done than on Here, My Dear. In contempt of court for failing to pay alimony, Gaye agreed to sign over the advance for an album and part of its earnings to Anna Gordy, his ex-wife, and inconveniently the sister of Motown boss Barry Gordy. Grimly fascinated by his own misfortune, Gay conceived a cycle that documented the disintegration of his marriage. The album's gatefold sleeve opened to reveal love as a monopolious board game called Judgment, packed with daggers poised above hearts and similar ill omens. Here, my dear, retains the smooth spooky soul of the, its predecessors let's get it on and i want you the three most memorable songs feature early thereafter it is a dreamy uneasy ride uh, village voices robert kreskow wrote sweet quiet seductive and slightly boring jamiroquai's uh, <laughs> jk describes it as quote the same song being subtly changed 10 different ways at war with his label, his musicians, and his own demons, Gay knew the album, his last for three years, was doomed. Accordingly, it was received frostily by critics, customers, and naturally, Anna Gordy. Indeed, it was deleted only a few years after its release. Today, however, it's a rare and compelling example of artistic nakedness that does not make you want to below get over it as sulking singer. All right, what do we think of Marvin Gaye's Here, My Dear? Wowie, wow, wow. That's yeah. a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's a whole bunch. I know. I got into this album uh, after, listen. I really got into what's going on. And then I was like, well, I got to explore some more Marvin Gaye. And people kept bringing up Here, My Dear as a like a pivotal Marvin Gaye album. And I see why, because it's, 
a very strange album and it's just out there. It's so bizarre. It's such a strange album to to have something that is just all about your life and really just telling people it's like a diary of your life and how your marriage is just gone. I went on a journey with this album this week. The first time I listened to this record, I fell asleep. Yeah. Because it's very long. And and you know that that Jamiroquai quote of being like like 10 instances of like re-envisioning the same song. It, it's it's not that far off. It's you get into the 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 murky sleepies in the soul. But the more I listened to it, the more it kind of showed itself to me. And then like after kind of like reading the story of it and then like listening to it again. I, I I'm I'm very much hooked now. I think that I think that this is phenomenal. And I and y- y- you know me, like I I love Skip Spence's or like I love like an album that has a story behind it, a story to tell. I love when an artist is working out what's ailing them in the studio. You know, like I love the Neil Young albums when he does that. And this is like a Marvin Gaye one. It, it's it's very real and it's a document and, and for it not having any choruses, I think, I, I, I think that I'm enjoying it way more than, than I thought I would. It, it, it's growing over me like a fungus. Yeah. Um, this record, uh, I've listened to Marvin Gaye a lot in my classroom. Um, it's very calming music, um, but not this record. I knew about this record because uh, I knew about Robin Thicke's album, Paula. Do you guys know about that record? No, no. I he's know Robin Thicke. He's the, yep. uh, the Blurred Lines guy. Sure. <clears throat> I remember he's got a lawsuit with the Marvin Gaye estate. I yes. believe he has a father named Alan Thicke from the Growing Pains. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is all true. Um, but uh, because of Robin Thicke's like, poor behavior on the Blurred Lines tour, uh, his wife left him. So he recorded an album called Paula to try to get her back. And it was a super personal album. And it was super embarrassing. And it flopped horribly. Uh, it sold like 500 copies in Canada. <laughs> like, um, <laughs> but when I was learning about that record, though, uh, actually going through and listening to it, um, it's good stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of the same. You know, there's a couple songs where he takes a break, like Sparrow, where he doesn't sing about, or a funky mm. space reincarnation. I like that one a lot. Yeah, <laughs> still singing about her and <laughs> being reincarnated, but just in a different I know, context. Still, wait, wait, that song's about her too. Yes. What I wrote next yes. to that song was what, what, what I wrote next to that song was uh, this album's about my divorce, but also I got this song about a funky spaceman. Well, he talks about, no, it's a, about him and Anna. yeah, in another life, yeah, meeting at a party. Yeah. yeah, all right, all right, I can they dig share it. a joint from Venus. They, they fuck in a space machine. <laughs> yeah. Man, how come, how come, how come there's not like, is it, it's such an interesting story and there's so much like soap opera drama and he's already written the soundtrack to all of the episodes. Like I would watch like a six part, like HBO miniseries on Marvin Gaye. Hmm. That, that dude, they, like from, from his rise to his tragic death, like that dude has an arc He's got a saga. He 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 he's got the journey, and I'm really surprised that no one has kind of made that story yet. Yeah. Uh, what really strikes out to me uh, on a lot of these songs is his doubling of his vocals. 
that just always gets me on a Marvin Gaye album. Uh, we're listening to When Did You Stop Loving Me? And those Which one? W- well, the first one. The first one. The one with all the lyrics? Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> but that is always what is so striking to me is his ability to harmonize with himself um, on those songs. They're just, it's incredible. I think I it, he could be singing the phone book and w- if he's harmonizing with himself the way he does, uh, it's it's incredible. I just love it so much. I, I think that's one thing that just really draws me into it. all of his music is it has a straight straight ahead backbeat, yeah. uh, smooth rhythms and and uh, saxophones and things. But his voice just always carries me through. He, he can sing the phone book, but still like every once in a while, you know, this album's so long and it and it's it's thick and there's not that like there's not many choruses and there's not much to really hang your hat on but every once in a while he does have a line that jumps out like like can someone tell me how come i have to pay your lawyer fees yeah, <laughs> yeah. i have to pay your lawyer fees <laughs> that, that's a well, hook that's really man. <laughs> of, uh, monkey space reincarnation uh, on top of that you have scandalized my name <laughs> there's actually a couple of sick burns um he says uh you can leave but it's going to cost you yeah oh that, that, that's hey, her saying to him though Bogey, Bogey he's quoting her sometime yeah so we we covered this a little bit in let's get it on when we did that album because that was the beginning of his extramarital relationship that kind of led down the path that leads to this one. Mm-hmm. So when, when Marvin Gaye marries uh, uh, Anna Gordy Gay, she's 17 years his senior. Uh, she was 41 at the time. And through like the 60s and early 70s, you know, he, he's got this relationship with this woman that, that he loves, you know, his boss's wife. And he is kind of like, a bit of like trophy husband in that scenario. He's, he's this pretty young rising star Marvin Gaye. By the time he, he gets to his mid thirties, all of a sudden he meets he meets, uh, uh, Janice Hunter, who's 17 years younger than him. So 34 years younger than his current wife. And he just gets in, infatuated with this person and starts having this extramarital relationship with with her and and apparently not really trying to hide it at all even though everyone that they're around works for his wife's brother wait you know? hold up she was she was 14 when he was having that extramarital affair no when when they first met she was 17 and he was 34 Okay, you said 17 years younger than 31, and that's 14. No, she was 17 years younger than him. He was in his mid-30s. Would you say that she's only 17? Well, at least when they first met. You know, they they end up, they they have a a relationship for like over 10 years. So there was something, there was something there. You know, it, it, it wasn't, it seems like it wasn't just... I need a younger woman, itis, you know, still pretty uh, fucking gross. But if his first wife was 17 years older than him, doesn't it even out? No, that's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, he's he's having this relationship with her, and and, and yeah, and eventually it leads up to yeah, and Anna Gordy Gay. Like, if you are going to leave me, if you're going to be with this young woman, you can leave, but it's going to cost you. And her and uh, and the lawyers they start going after all of Marvin Gaye's different revenues, uh, uh, alleys of of income, and he gets himself in a tight spot. So he gets himself in a situation where, yeah, basically all all of the revenue from his next album is going to be going to pay his alimony. And I think that from what I read, he didn't when he went to the studio, he wasn't initially intending to write like an epic double album tell all. He was just going to like, yeah, let's just cut an album. Let's get it out. And then I'll be done with that. But I think you know, the opportunity just kind of showed itself. He had something, he's Marvin Gaye. You know, he's got this in him. He's got something he's got to get out. He did it with what's going on. He did it with other albums. If he's got something to say, he's going to say it. So he airs not only his dirty laundry, he airs not only the, the things, like there's plenty of scathing critiques on Anna Gordian here, but there's also some really tender songs towards her, you know? And it just seems like like just this big cathartic thing, just like getting it all out. Like, here's everything, and then she gets the money for it. It's just kind of like here, here, my dear. Here's all of this, and now I'm moving on with my life, type of thing. It's such an interesting story. I, I thought it was interesting. A, a lot of there's a, a a very big rumor that goes along with this album saying that he intentionally tried to make it a flop, which is not true. He actually there was no reason for him to do that because the agreement was if the album failed to earn two hundred ninety three thousand dollars within two years, Gay was obligated to pay the difference himself. So right. for him to to produce a flop would have n- not helped him in any uh, way other than if he could have somehow figured out the fine line to get it to over that amount. But then not more than that. I guess that's the only way he could have could have done that. But he I and- think he figured out the fine line of uh, like fulfilling his legal obligations and also releasing a, a, a tell-all scandalous review of yeah. his, his ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, he did end up owing the additional amount, uh, $293,000. Oh, yeah, uh, most of which uh, went to taxes and stuff. Uh, yeah, I find that r- really interesting, like you were saying, that he uh, did air his dirty laundry. However, there's one thing that does kind of isn't quite represented on this album and that's mainly it's one-sided it's him telling the story which is very strange for him to be saying you know 
uh, you didn't do right by me on a lot of these songs when obviously he was stepping out um, with with another woman. He does mention that he is in love with another woman and that he still loves, you know, Anna. But it doesn't really resonate the same way that if you were actually, you know, critiquing yourself on on your failings, it it seems to gloss over quite a bit of of that, including a big drug habit with cocaine at the time and uh, some other, you know, problems that that he had had in his life. He sings about the cocaine. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I totally get what you say, Birch. But also, like, at this time, yes, yes, absolutely. Like, he he initially is in the wrong by being the person stepping out. I think at this time, he feels angry. Well, we're listening to anger right now. Anger, yeah. He feels anger. He feels like he should be allowed to move on. He feels like uh, his ex-wife and her Motown lawyers are coming after him. And he's really, as the artist, he's not really obligated to tell any other side to a story than his own. True. Uh, that that's that's his prerogative. And you know, it, it seemed like w- when we listened to "Let's Get It On," that seemed like it was a very kind of like self exploration, growing theme of an album. And this one doesn't. It doesn't seem like he's looking inward very much on this. It looks like he's he's got some. He, he let me. He's like, let me tell you about this fucking day I'm having. <laughs> he's got some shit on his mind, and this is his outlet. And you know, whether he's wrong or whether he's right or whether I'm sure there's so many sides to a story. This is his album, and this is him just airing his grievances a little bit. Yeah. And then there are songs like uh, like Anna's song, which is very sweet. And you know, at the beginning, he says like, you know, you always wanted me to write you a song. Well, here it is. And that song, like, there's zero irony in the tenderness of that song. And, and there, are, and he does talk about him himself about how like he should have been better, about how he can be so stubborn, how he shouldn't have done these things. But yeah, it, 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 the majority of this is definitely just him getting shit off his chest. Yeah. So I read that Anna Gordy like uh, almost sued him for invasion of privacy. Yeah. Definitely. of character, I believe. <laughs> I think yeah. she 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 took it back after um, after she uh, I, I think considered it uh, probably because she probably figured she's not going to get you know anything out of it in the in the end. Uh, I did read too that they played the album. He was really proud of the album. Actually, um, they did play the album for uh, Anna Gordy, and she listened listened to it. I don't know if she listened to the whole thing or some cuts but she just didn't say a word and walked out of the room i did not think she was um real happy with it and i can understand her response on first listen absolutely yeah absolutely is that enough we're listening to right now and i love those keys coming in it's a real slow groove soulful groove uh he was picking up on a lot of what uh george clinton um and those those bands Sly and the Family Stone were doing at the time. And I think it really elevated, um, his, uh, his production, uh, on this album. And I think that's, that's one of the things I I do find interesting about this album is it's real smooth. It's real, um, soulful. And a lot of the, the tricks he had been, uh, kind of trying out on some earlier albums, um, do come together even better, I think on this 
this album here because it, because he's he's sort of mastered those elements now like you said it it does get a bit same sameness uh part of that does is marvin gay just doing a a song cycle like he likes to do on many of his albums i mean we had it on what's going on what's going on yep it's a secular uh thing and uh let's you say what's going on or let's get it on also has keep getting it on that's so, true. So you do yeah, kind of yeah. repeat themes over and over, which is also apparent here w- with uh, "When Did You Stop Loving Me?" I don't think it's needed as much. Um, three on an album that that seemed to be a little much for me. I mean, even on a double album, yeah. you have to have at least once per disc. <laughs> if, if if it's gonna be a motif, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, but it it is true. This album does does kind of drag if you're not ready for it. Um, it. It's like you have to kind of be prepared to do it. I I probably would err on the side of just just making a single album, um, trimming some things and and doing it. But at the same time, I I don't hate having a double album because it does. Uh, there are some songs that. Um, I probably would have missed if they weren't uh, included on this. Mm. I'm just grooving to this right now. Every yeah, time I, I listen to this album, it gets shorter. Tell you what. Okay. First time I listened to it, it was like a day and a half long. I agree with you, Ben. Uh, I listened to this record a whole bunch, uh, probably more than any record uh, for this week. And thumbs up. Mm-hmm. What, do th- what do you think there, Rob? You're being pretty quiet. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I didn't dislike this record, but it's not how I prefer my heartbreak breakup records. Okay. I don't think Marvin Gaye's voice lends itself to me wallowing. Well, he's not heartbroken. So, in fact, he's in love. He's just having to yeah, pay for his actions. Literally. <laughs> but he's pissed and the, it, it, it's a breakup record. It, 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 regardless, it's still just a, a sayonara lady. I'm, I'm moving out, moving on. Uh, and it's just not, it, it, it <clears throat> because of the lyrical or because of the content of the, or the premise of the entire record. Like it, it's just, it doesn't quite fit the, uh, my, my preferred box of, uh, of sad music. Okay. Um, so I, I'm, I'm confused because my butt wants to shake, but then the lyrics come and I'm <laughs> like, uh, should my butt be shaking? See, I don't think this album's sad. This album's looking forward. It's like it, it, it's it's maybe wistful, but I think that he's closing a chapter on his life that had led to a lot of sadness for both parties, and it's painful to close because there's so much that is involved in closing that chapter. But he he's optimistic about the rest of the rest of his life to come after he can get past this. Yeah, it's I guess I, yeah. Just I, I guess I don't really care for wistful then in my in my funk <laughs> in, in my funk jams. How about in your soul grooves? I can't say I'm a, a fan of of wistful Marvin. This just not my thing. I, I, I instead of like really doing anything, I just wrote down like best breakup records, and I was going to ask you guys what's your favorite breakup record. I have uh, to think oh, about it for a second. What is it? Pulp. This is hardcore. Ooh. You think that's a breakup record? Yeah. 
I mean, it's a post breakup record, I guess. Yeah, that's a pretty yeah. good one. I was, I was gonna go Prowler in the Yard, Pig Destroyer. I think that's a quality breakup <laughs> record. Pretty good. Um, uh, Chris Isaac, Forever Blue. Oh, oh man, that's a very blue. He is very blue. <laughs> oh, we're on the topic of breakup records. So I, I forgot to write down, but I was thinking the other day. So there's this one, and then what was that? What was that Adele one? Was like 19 or whatever the one that that whole yeah. album was not a breakup. Yeah, 19. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I admittedly I'm not as familiar with that full album. I know the the songs that were on the radio, but I wonder in the write ups for 19 if people were drawing some of the same parallels to this one. Mm. A bit of uh, yeah, I could see that. It's it's. I think this album is really interesting in the way it's a tell all it's as Mm -hmm. if, you know, you, you just go through the, the whole situation, um, uh, from your perspective and, and just kind of expose a a lot of things in your life. It's, it's interesting. Um, not many people I feel like do that. And if they do, it feels contrived in a way whereas this one somehow maybe it's just because we're looking back on it and it it, we weren't there at the time but it does it feels it it feels okay i don't know no yeah it's 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 very real Yeah, I, guys, I, I don't. I'm not trying to say that this Marvin Gaye record is bad in any way, shape, or form. I, I hope I'm not coming across as as that. Um, I did. I did think it meet. It was a little bit long for my taste, but I mean, this is this is a this is listen four here, and it's not like is the first listen was the hardest. Um, but yeah, it's just you know. I think it, a, a double record of getting out all of the venom and the poison, like to move on with your life is, you know, a decision he made, which is fine. And uh, hopefully he felt better at the end of it. <laughs> but I, I don't think there's a single track on this that I would go to as like, uh, you know, oh, I'm going to put this on a mix or I want to listen to this song again. You know, I, uh, I don't know if I could divorce any one of these tracks from the entirety of the record like that. I, I just don't, I don't see any like single stuff that like I could, you know, be super excited about. And also I think that his keyboard playing is kind of abysmal on a lot of it. Uh, the string machine that he's using can get fucked. That is a horrible sounding keyboard. <laughs> that first track doesn't have any bass that I can tell. It's just, him with the string machine being just making me mad. (laughs) But I mean, the bass eventually comes in and like, you know, there there are some nice little like, you know, funky things. I I don't know, man. This one did not grab me the same way that, Oh, this is not a butt shaker. Yeah. I just don't, 
it's a slow it's, contemplation. It's not about and I don't know if I need that for Marvin Gaye. I think you should put on a funky space reincarnation know, again, Rob. I feel like you overlooked that one. It's fantastic. Huh? It's a booty shaker. It's pretty good. If you want to fast forward it to it, I will. Again. Yeah, fine. This is a good song. This song rips. You do bring up a, a good point, though, Rob, is even when it we even when it's jamming, even when it's a bit funky, it's got, you know, that pop. It's not real. It doesn't have a big dynamic. Sorry a big dynamic shift from drums to bass to guitar. Everything kind of melds into uh it's like equalized together. It doesn't feel yeah. like it doesn't feel real big. Like when we were listening to that Parliament uh album, it was like the drums were just nailing and the bass was, you know, slamming and the guitars were way over here. This album does feel because it is more of a soul album, it feels like all those things are compressed down into a very palatable groove situation instead of being so uh, so funky. And maybe that's that's that that's something that Marvin Gaye does a lot because it does it's almost you know one song bleeds into another song and bleeds into another song. Which yeah, I, I was over the moon with him the previous two records we did this one just didn't that doesn't hit me the way those two did yeah. and that's okay this is a weird record it's really weird it's really weird <laughs> i just happened to to really like it. <laughs> yeah how do we how do we feel what do you think ben positive for me birch okay uh yeah definitely takes multiple listens uh i was I wasn't not into it on my first listen, but like I said, I fell asleep about halfway through. I got, I got the afternoon sleepies. It's very long. There's barely any, if any choruses or, or, or hooks. But I think if, I think if you pay the price of admission and invest the, the kind of the time and interest to actually uh, peel, peel back a few layers of this album, I think it's very rewarding. I think this is a, uh, Definitely, uh, definitely a positive for me. I think this album's really cool. What do you think, Kyle? Yeah, that's a thumbs up from me. Um, you know, it sounds great. His voice sounds great. I don't think we've talked about his voice very much. We did a little bit, but it's what is this? His fifteenth record. He sounds great. Um, <laughs> uh, it's very smooth. You know, there's a lot to unpack. It's an interesting kind of. You kind of see his view on women. You know. And I, I kind of looked into some of the behind the scenes stuff between him and Anna, and it was pretty gross. Um, yeah, I mean, the production's great. I give it a thumbs up. Um, yeah, it's something to listen to. It's interesting. I'm neutral on it, honestly. It's just uh, not not my jam of the century. But I mean, if you're a, if you're a Marvin Gaye completist and are feeling kind of bummed out, go for it. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, I think I'm on the positive. Interesting concept. I don't know about the double album. I don't know if it was really necessary, but sometimes it's not what you want. The artist, uh, Marvin Gaye, obviously wanted a double album. Um, he had these songs to... He could have... I, I think it really shows that he could have just played it real easy, 
um, done a single album, knocked it out. He probably could have even done covers or things like that just to get it out there and, you know, pay the alimony. But instead, he he basically risked. He knew this wouldn't be a great album, uh, but he wanted to either uh, create the greatest diss <laughs> album or <laughs> just wanted something else to move on with his life and really get his his emotions out there so yeah i'm on the positive i just like his um his style it's hard to hard to deny the this sort of era of uh marvin gay um oh i did did have a quote from the since we were talking about and listening to a funky space reincarnation it it says it imagines it imagines a parallel future universe where the two souls reconnect to find love. It's a whimsical eight minute funk track inspired by George Clinton's parliament funkadelic sound. Marvin is the captain of the space bed and he meets Anna. They smoke some weed from Venus and they get married. It's probably the happiest song on the album. That's awesome. It it's probably great. Is. Yeah. I want to be the captain of a space bed. <laughs> we're not going to have any more uh, Marvin Gaye albums this is it so going to sign off with with this one I'm glad to have been introduced to this one I'd never heard this before and uh, I'm glad I now know it cool Uh, I don't think we need to go into his uh, I won't go too much in his like 1984 tragedy uh, with his father um who shot him. I'll just say that much. It's, it's interesting to read, um, about, and his life is just really interesting. Lots of problems. I, I tried to look into, um, or I did look into why he had, he didn't have, um, money cause he was selling, selling out, uh, all sorts of, uh, concerts. He was high grossing albums. And I think it really just boiled down to, one, he didn't pay uh, taxes, income tax, so he had a lot of that debt. Um, he had the alimony debt and basically drugs and uh, lavish he lifestyle. He spent a lot on drugs. Yeah, a lot mm-hmm. on drugs. So yeah, mostly cocaine. Um, but yeah, great albums. Yeah, yeah, cool. Hey, if you're an aspiring filmmaker, yeah, make the Marvin Gaye story. I'll watch it. I read I an interview Dr. with uh, Janice Janice Hunter, a recent interview. She's uh, she's in her like fifties, sixties now, and she said she used to think that she says that she thought they haven't made a Marvin Gaye movie yet because no one can play Marvin Gaye. She said she used to think that Denzel Washington would be the good Marvin Gaye. She says that if they made one now, she'd want it to be Maxwell, which I can I, I get behind that. I would I would watch Maxwell as Marvin Gaye. That'd be cool. Hmm. Would watch. So listen to Janice Hunter Gay <laughs> make a Marvin Gay biopic with Maxwell. All right. Next time we'll be talking about Willie Nelson, Stardust. All right. Thank y'all. This is at a song. This is at a song. Keep on singing.